0: Welcome to Chi Alpha at Texas Tech University. The messages in this podcast were designed to encourage you and to challenge you in your walk with Jesus. We're so excited that you're here, and we hope that this message will help you to better fight for God's kingdom with us. Hey guys, good to be with you this evening. Better be you, they're invisible, aren't they? <laughs> it's so good to be here. Uh, as, as Rob said, uh, I'm Austin. If that's, when that slide gets up there, you'll see the rest of my family. Uh, my wife, Amy, our two boys, Brody and Finn. Uh, we are missionaries in the Netherlands. And uh, so, long story short, we, we just uh, finished our first term there. Many of you have heard this, right? All you guys at the Guy Smokers have heard this already. We had some good times the last couple nights, but, uh, you know, we went, we served the local church, we, we learned language, we built the foundation for the next 30 years in, in ministry over there. And so, right now, all of our stuff is waiting for us in a storage shed uh, in the city of Utrecht, uh, where we will be pioneering, as Rob said, a, a Students for Christ group, uh, because, well, spoiler alert, we love Chi Alpha. Yeah. Uh, my life was changed through Chi Alpha at St. Houston State. I was saved there, and uh, my wife was discipled there. I met my wife there. So, guys, there's hope for you. Your wife might be in this room. And, girls, you might need to run. But uh, it, it is such a privilege here. And I just want to thank uh, the Hesters for, for inviting me and having me here, and uh, uh, the staff here. Just grateful for this opportunity to spend with you guys. This has been so refreshing. Rob, thank you for filling my schedule up. Woo. But but it's been so good, and uh, thank you to the Sakels for hosting me. And uh, so if you guys have your Bible with you, would you open up to John twenty-one? We're going to jump right into it. I will have the scriptures up there. Uh, I'm not usually a, a PowerPoint guy, but I made one for you guys. so I Love you guys. Uh, but as you so as you're getting to your place, you know uh, th- there is a grand narrative that God. Is writing and it extends beyond ourselves it extends beyond Texas Tech Chi Alpha it transcends our worldview our preferences our borders whatever God does in our lives personally even corporately is always meant for a greater purpose amen you probably have heard this what God does in us he wants to do through us all right this is gonna be a good night we're on the same page However, too often we quench what God wants to do through us because we find it inconvenient or that it doesn't align with what we thought should happen. Oftentimes it's the circumstances, the thought of the unknown or the overbearing sense of I must do that makes the task of taking the gospel to the nation so difficult. But My prayer is that we will see and believe the opposite of this tonight. we simply hear Jesus saying, follow me, follow me. If if you're there, John 21, verse 15 through 22. um, If you're not familiar with this, this is at the end of the gospel of John. I love the gospel of John. You know, so we've had the story. Jesus has come. Three and a half years of ministry. He went to the cross. He was crucified for our sins. He went to the grave, but he didn't stay there. He rose in victory. And here we find him after the resurrection, before he ascends. And it's so cool. He's with this small group of guys. And what's he doing? Making him breakfast. (laughs) He's making him breakfast. And then one of his closest three friends, Peter, who just denied him, he has this conversation with them. So that's where we pick up. That's what it says. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you And carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's talking about John here. Following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, when he saw John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Let's go to prayer. Lord, we thank you for this evening, God. We thank you for your presence here, Lord, in worship and as soon as we got here, God. I mean, you were with us here on the way and Lord, I ask that distractions would fall away and you would give us ears to hear, Lord, and a mind and a spirit to understand, God, and that our hearts would be open to hear your voice tonight, God. Lord, we love you and we worship you, God, and we want to know you better, God. We want to hear from you tonight, and Lord, we give you permission to speak and to have your way. And, Lord, we give you permission to even change the trajectory of our lives tonight, God, that we won't be just challenged, but changed tonight, Lord, through your spirit, through your very presence here, God. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. And it's in your powerful and mighty name we pray. Amen. You know, almost 12 years ago, 12 years ago this January, I was in a meeting just like this, just like this. Uh, I went to Sam Houston State. You know, uh, and all the eat them up cats. Where's the Axum Jacks? I heard there's someone here from SFA. Busted, right? Oh, she's not here? Oh. Well, I, I sat in a meeting just like this, you know, and, and, and guys, you know, remember at the small groups, I'm asking, you know, like, what's your major? Because I was there. I went to Sam Houston. I was a mass communications major, and uh, about five months before I graduated, I found myself in a meeting just like this it was a missions service and, you know I showed up to it thinking man this is normal there was coffee going you know the small group guys were there and, and the worship started it was like man this is great this is what I love chi alpha this is great and uh and so we're worshiping and you know I'm a little bit older than you guys not much and uh so we were singing a song from Hillsong Cullen that was a song you should have played it tonight Colin. it's one of my favorites and, uh, and, uh, the, the lyric said, Jesus, I believe in you and I will go to the ends of the earth for you because you are the son of God, you know, and, uh, and we're worshiping hands up, praising God. And, and we had a mission speaker and he got up there, never had this happen in a service before. And he can, you may, well, yeah, he's Alex's boss now. And so he, he got up there and, uh. And he grabbed the microphone and he looked at us and said, you Christians are singing a lie. You won't go to the ends of the earth for the Lord. And it stopped me cold in my tracks. And I had to be honest with myself and the Lord. And I said, you know what? You're right. Lord, I I wouldn't go to the ends of the earth for you. And he proceeded to preach on missions for about an hour. And most I say preach, he told stories for an hour about people laying down their lives and going to the mission field. And you know what? These people weren't superheroes and super Christians. They were students like me. And at the end of that service, came to the altar call, and this is what he said. He said, giving a year overseas after you graduate is your Christian duty. What you do the other 60 years of your life, that's a calling. And in that moment... It was as Jesus himself was looking at me and saying, will you follow me? Will you follow me to the nations? And in that moment, I had to be honest with myself that I had been holding on to my ideas and my dreams and my hopes for what my future should look like. White picket fence, two dogs in the backyard, a family, right? That's what I wanted. And I was holding on to that. And here's Jesus saying, will you follow me? You see, I hadn't surrendered my future. I'd given my life to Jesus or so I thought, but I had not given my life fully to Jesus because my life is not just the present and my past. It's my future as well. And so Jesus is saying, will you follow me? Now, as I look back, I see that he was asking me to let go more of myself and to trust him. Trust that he knew best and always knows best for my life. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared and made a way for us to walk in. And not just any way, but a good way full of good works that we are to walk in. You know, what's our definition of love? Anybody got it? Unselflessly choosing for another and for God and his kingdom. And if that's our definition of love, and we say that God is love, then we need to believe that he unselfishly chooses for our highest good as well. Amen? You with me? He's choosing for your highest good. Now, that doesn't mean the circumstances are going to be easy. It's going to be a smooth road. In fact, a lot of it doesn't look like that at all. But he's forming our character, and we're going to come out of it better. And he knows best for our lives, always. So therefore, tonight, I want to talk about God's call and what that means. Because we talk about a call We hear about, you know, he's called to missions. He's called to this. God called him to do that. But what does that mean? And so I want to look at the two sides of it and what God is calling all of us to. Is that cool? Okay, so let's look at the first thing. First and foremost, before we hear a country's name, before we hear a people group and stats and figures, God, Jesus himself is simply calling us. To follow him. To follow him. It's not a what and a where first. The what's and the where's are secondary to us realizing that God is calling us to himself. I didn't see a need first. I didn't hear, you know, 4% evangelical in the Netherlands, 96% without Jesus. I didn't hear that. I heard Jesus say, follow me. Follow me we can learn so much from the disciples in this. Anybody grew up in Sunday school? I, I didn't grow up in, in church, right? So this is a real Sunday school story, so I was told. It, it's the story of Peter walking on the water, right? You guys familiar with this story? Right? The disciples are out in a boat and... and, and uh, Jesus was back behind praying, right? You know, if Jesus needed to pray. We need to pray more. And so uh, it's nighttime, and Jesus comes just strolling across the water, right? And, and the Bible says, actually, he intended to walk right past them. And they're like, oh, and they see him. They're like, oh, is that a ghost? And, and, and Peter cries out, and he says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come, and I'll come after you. or And I'll walk out towards you. And, you know, when we read this story, and we, we know, right? He starts walking and he starts to sink because he sees the winds and the waves and all that. And we think it's amazing because we think, wow, he walked on water, right? And we start to kind of get uh, 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 focused on the circumstances. But it's not the circumstances that are important, right? If it was 2019 and Peter was riding in a plane and Jesus is out walking on a a cloud and, and, you know, he said, hey, come. Peter's going to walk on a cloud, right? The circumstances doesn't matter. He could have walked through fire, right? Lord of the Rings fans, like he could have walked through, you know, Mordor, right? And, and the volcano at Mount Doom. Yeah, I mean, he could have done that. It didn't matter. But what's important is that he saw Jesus. And Jesus said, come, come to me. The water didn't matter. He said, come to me. And he walked on water because he was going to Jesus. And when he took his eyes off of Jesus, then he sank. So the circumstances, they're not important. Whether God's calling you to the Netherlands or the Arab world or South America, it doesn't matter. That's the what's, that's the where's. He's calling you to him, to know him better, to know him more intimately, to know him better than you if you would have stayed here. Because you want to walk in his will and what he has planned and in obedience to him. But the question is, do we have the faith and obedience to step out of the boat and go to Jesus? Do you have the faith and obedience to answer the call when he says, follow me? So when he calls to us, it's a personal call, right? Just like when you when you come to Jesus in salvation and he speaks to you. He doesn't speak to to the guy to the left and to the right of you. He speaks to you about coming to him. When he calls you to go somewhere, he talks to you and your answer cannot be contingent. On what he's telling the people around you to do. Because he's going to call people to the marketplace. He's going to call some to stay. So they can help send. And so you being obedient. doesn't matter what the person on your left. And your right is doing. All that matters. Your obedience to him is what matters. Personally when he speaks to you. We are to obey when he speaks. And I've had friends You know, friends, right? You always see a call on someone else's life much better than they see it themselves, right? And and I I have friends. I've seen a call of God upon their life, and they've missed it because they let circumstances get in the way. They let the the idea of a a future spouse get in the way. They let the idea of parents really directing their lives when they're adults get in the way. They let the idea of money and a high-paying job get in the way. And it's a tragedy when this happens. You know, I I wish my wife was here to tell this story because she's amazing. She's the holy one in the family, right? She's better than I am. She started walking with God in middle school when God spoke to her. And and in high school, her family didn't go, but she had a car and she chose to go to church. I wasn't thinking about that in high school, right? So we're dating and uh, we were in a serious relationship. And uh, she was called to missions before we, we, we started dating, right? And so we're dating and all I talk about is staying in the marketplace. And I'm from Houston. I love Houston. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to. Oh, you're from Conroe, though, right, Rob? You <laughs> bro. <laughs> I, I wanted to stay, right? And, and have a job here. And uh, so we're dating. And we're dating about a year at this time. And, you know, after you get to that year mark, you start thinking marriage and future and all that. And she realized that this was not going to be compatible. This wasn't going to work if I, I, I'm going to stay. And she's called to missions because she put the call of God higher than anything else. And she started to pray a very scary prayer. She said, Lord, you need to change his heart or you need him to break up with me. She put the call of God higher than our relationship. And I'm glad she did. And she started praying for me. And then that's when this mission speaker comes And speaks. And God changed my heart. You can't let circumstances and things and your idea of a future stand in the way of God speaking to you to go. Either you obey or you disobey. It really is that black and white and that simple. Keith Miller puts it this way. And as I take small specific steps to go and do things which need doing... I realize that Christ is probably not as concerned with measuring the magnitude of my effectiveness as whether or not I go. He wants to know if you're just going to simply follow him. And all of this is a, initial, a continuation of the initial call when you say yes to him at salvation. When you get saved, you give him the keys, you give him the steering wheel, and he's driving. First Corinthians, Paul says, you're not your own. You are bought with a price. If you made a mess of your life, so much so that you came to him to be your redeemer and, and, and to get your life right. Why do you think you're any more qualified now to take the keys back and say, I know what's best for my future. I can take over Jesus. I can start driving again. I know I'm not any more qualified. And I'm much better off just saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. You have good works. You have good ideas, good plans for my life. And that's where I want to be because I remember who I was and I know who I am now. And it's not because of me. It's because of you. Amen. So he is your savior. If he is your savior, then he has to be your Lord. We can't separate it. We love Jesus, as savior and friend and and our redeemer. When we start saying Lord, we get a little uncomfortable because it means we don't have control anymore, right? But Hudson Taylor, missionary to China, says this. He said, Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He's either Lord of all of your life or none of it. But all of this, giving up our lives to him, our futures, our plans, the, the, maybe even the, the hardness of the call, the place we may be called to, all of that begins to soften and, and become more palatable. When we realize it's just simply following Jesus and we get to be with him and know him and be intimate with him. And, 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 and it's just being with him. And that's all I want. Whether that's here in the marketplace, overseas, I just want to be with Jesus. Because he saved me, and he saved you. And if, you, if that's not your heart cry, you need to take a deep look at yourself and see what is to be changed in your heart and in your life. Our duty is to follow Christ as he walks the road before us as the all-sufficient trailblazer. He's the trailblazer. He's cutting down the trees, making the path straight for us. We follow him. And we can follow in confidence and knowing that we are simply with Him doing as He does. Amen? Yeah. So that's the first part of the call. Intimacy with Jesus. Being with Him. But remember, what He does in our lives, He wants to do through our lives. Yeah. And so the second side of the call is that, yeah, there's people that we're called to. There's people without Jesus, is sitting in darkness, without hope, without the gospel, that need Him. That we are called to, to take this message and this hope to. And if we love him, as we walk with him, we will feed and tend his sheep. Amen? The closer you get to him, the better you know him, the better you know his heartbeat, you're going to begin to fall in love with what he loves. It works in every relationship, right? My wife, she loves HGTV. I don't like HGTV. I don't watch ESPN, right? But because of my wife, man, Chip and Go- Joanna Gaines, right? Fix her upper. We went to the silos two weeks ago, right? I would have never done this if it wasn't for my wife, right? And my wife, the same thing. She hates football. Well, she did, right? And then she married me. She's a bigger Green Bay Packer fan than I am now, right? Okay, Cowboys fans. We won this year, okay? But that's just how it works, right? You fall in love with the things that the one you love loves. Yeah. And as you love God, as your, your your heart grows warm and your affections grow tender towards God, you're gonna fall in love with the things that he loves. And guess what? He loves the ones that don't that, that 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 don't know him. He loves lost people. He loves them so much. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know he loves you so much. So much that he He sent somebody in your life to bring you here tonight to hear about him. He loves lost people. He loves lost people so much that he's willing to leave 99 to go for the one. He loves lost people so much that he's going to turn a house upside down looking for one. He loves lost people so much that when they come home, he's going to throw a party for you. He's going to put a robe on you and put a crown on your head and a ring on your finger and sandals on your feet. Say, welcome home. You're back. You're back. I've been waiting for you. I've been looking for you. He loves lost people. He loves lost people so much that he's even willing to inconvenience Christians so that someone that doesn't know him can hear about them. This is what I call the story of the girl in the cafe. So, years ago, we were in the Netherlands. This was 2014. I was at Sam Houston doing the Kyle Alpha internship, and uh, we took a team over to the Netherlands. And we had just spent a year over there, but we were back, and uh, we took a team of about five or six of us. And uh, we were on a campus, much like tech. And uh, we were meeting students and uh, inviting them to a service that night. Uh, we were getting to know them. And you know, when you're doing that all day, it's exhausting, right? It's just socially. I'm an introvert, right? So I, I need to like, hide in a dark room somewhere to kind of recharge. And so I'm out just, okay, where's my introverts at, right? Yeah, okay, awesome. And so uh, I, I, we needed to recharge our batteries because we'd been out all day on our feet, cobblestones, right? It's not smooth, you're just exhausted. So we went to this beautiful cafe. And uh, sadly, this is the reality of Europe. A lot of these old cathedrals, like this, where this cafe is, uh, have become cafes and gyms, and daycares, because, again, people have left the church. And so we're, we're in this beautiful place, and uh, we're recharging our batteries, drinking some good coffee, right, good Dutch coffee, and uh, we're, we're just fellowshipping, just talking about what God has been doing in our lives and, and what we've been seeing on this trip, and, and uh, because we have this service tonight, and we've got to be on point for it. And uh, so we're there. And then I start to notice there's a girl sitting there. She's got her Beats headphones on, right? She's on her MacBook. And uh, thinking she's minding her own business, but she keeps just eyeballing us, right? And I'm like, okay, this is a little fishy, and she keeps doing it. Well, then finally she takes her headphones off, and we've been talking about the Lord and stuff. And she goes, are you Christians? I was like, wow, okay, she's been eavesdropping this entire time, right? And uh, so I was like, yay, we're Christians. And uh, this is really uncommon in Europe. But she goes, well, what kind of Christians are you? And I said, oh, well, uh, we're Pentecostals. And uh, and if you don't know what a Pentecostal is, it means that we believe that the Holy Spirit is active today pursuing people and pursuing us in a relationship. And that's exactly what we told her. And she kind of leaned back and she goes, okay. And uh, her understanding of Christianity had been very much a religion, right? Kind of check the box church, right? You know, I I went to church Christmas and Easter and, and I'm good. And uh, so we just began to, to tell her about the Lord. And uh, we had the opportunity to pray for her. She was a virtual reality major. And so she was just looking for just some real human contact. And, uh, but we, we got to witness to her and invite her to the service that night. And, um, yeah, and, and pray for her. But, you see, we were looking for rest, right, in rest for spiritual things. Because we were getting ready for church that night. But yet here's this girl without hope, sitting in darkness, without Jesus. And God was willing to interrupt our rest, our time of recharging our batteries for one that he wants to know. So God's going to interrupt your time, your rest, your grocery shopping run, right? So that someone else can hear. And God tends to like to interrupt us and make us a bit uncomfortable and show up when it's really inconvenient. But that's how much he wants people to know him, right? And the other thing is that the more you walk with God and the better you know him and your prayer life begins to align with his, he begins to really answer prayers when you begin to pray for opportunities to share your faith and to witness to people. And so... uh, about a year later, I'm back in the Netherlands for a wedding, and then I can go to the next slide, and, and I go to uh, the city of Utrecht, where we're about to go, and uh, it's a beautiful city, and they have some fantastic shopping streets, and I knew we were going there, so I went, and I was by myself, my wife and our son had stayed uh, back in Texas here, and uh, so we're there, and, or I'm there, and I'm prayer walking, just asking God for, for, for a vision and, and, and good soil and divine appointments for when we get there. And, uh, and, and so I just asked God, right? I asked him, Lord, let me have a conversation with somebody here today. I don't speak Dutch at this point, right? But let me talk to somebody here today about you and get this. I said, Lord, let it be normal. Nobody wants an awkward conversation about God, right? Where you're just like, you're, you force it. They're awkward, you're awkward, everybody's just wanting to get out of it, but you kind of feel obliged to like, I got to talk to them about God, right? I say, God, let it be normal. Let it just come up. And so I'm walking the streets, and and, and I'm praying, and I'm thinking, okay, do I need to go into like a shop, and maybe a store owner, or how, And you know, I'm already kind of scheming, how am I going to make this happen? And out of nowhere, this is total Dutch guy, skinny, tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, makes a beeline right for me. And I'm like, oh, and he starts talking to me. That doesn't happen in Europe, right? So I'm praising God now because he worked for Greenpeace. And so this was his job to come and bother me. <laughs> and so he comes up to me and starts speaking Dutch. And I knew no Dutch. And so I was like, oh, uh, excuse me, uh, sorry, uh, English. And he goes, oh, you're, you're English American? Uh, I said, oh, I'm American. Oh, are you here on holiday, vacation? What are you doing, studying? And I said, no, actually, I'm here. And I'm just came to see the city because my wife and I we want to move here, and that freaks Dutch people out because they all want to leave. They're international business make uh, uh, majors, and they want to go everywhere. They're they're you know they love America, New York, L.A., Florida. They they just want to come here, and so for the fact that I wanted to move there, he was like, "This doesn't make sense. That you know didn't fit in his box." And he goes, oh, why do you want to come here? And I said, well, my wife and I, we, we want to move here and start a group on the university here, uh, a Christian group where we could talk about faith and God and Jesus and what it means to walk with God and, and how a relationship with Jesus changes everything in your life. And uh, his name was Kas van der Vaan. If that's not Dutch, I don't know what is. it is. <laughs> And uh, I said, Cost, you know, I believe that a relationship with Jesus uh, changes the way we study, the way we go to work, we, we do our family life. I said, Koss, and this was the Holy Spirit, I said, man, it's affecting the way I'm talking to you right now. And he just, again, kind of leaned back, eyes got really big. And he goes, really? And I, we just began to talk about the Lord. Again, God answers prayer. This was so natural. And... Um, Got to share about the Lord with him. And, and he just looked at me and he said, you know, I know Christians. I have Christian friends, but none of them talk like this. None of them talk like this. You see, when your heart begins to align with God's, and you begin to pray a prayer like that, God's going to answer those. He's eager to answer prayer like that. So you can be interrupted and inconvenienced where you can align your heart with him. And have him answer these prayers and find it much easier to share your faith. All we need to do is follow God, follow Jesus, hear his heartbeat, and just love what he loves. And that's people. He loves people. I understand that many of you are probably here thinking, well, you know, you're a missionary. I'm sure you got some kind of training to go and do this and to go be able to share your faith. This was my training, Chi Alpha. But I want to share this story with you. You know, um, the scripture we were at the beginning, right? Here's Peter, right, and Jesus. And Peter's just denied Jesus three times. And 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 Pastor, there's a hundred sermons you could preach on this portion of scripture, right? I mean. Uh, the whole thing is about Peter denying Jesus three times. And he's asking him three times that, do you love me? And it's a chance of like restoring Peter, you know, back back into uh, uh, the group. But the really cool thing is when you get into the Greek, there's something amazing here. So those of you that are sitting here thinking, well, I'm not equipped for this. I can't do this. I, I don't have the tools to do this. Let this be a, a, a hope for you. Peter looks at Jesus or Jesus looks at Peter and uh, in the Greek, the word for love has many different meanings than it does in English. We have love. <laughs> in Greek, there's four words for, for love. You guys know this, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, two of those are phileo and agape. And so agape love is this godly love, this benevolent love, this love that doesn't expect anything in return. And so here's Jesus talking to Peter. In the first two times, he says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me with this unselfish, self-giving love that doesn't expect anything return? The kind of love that I love you with, that I would go to the cross for your sins, Peter. And Peter looks at him and he says, Jesus, I phileo you. Now phileo means, right, like Philadelphia, a brotherly love. And it's a noble love. It's a good love, but it's not quite an agape love, right? He says, Jesus, I I, I phileo you. So this happens twice. And then the third time, Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, do you filet me? And he says, Jesus, you know everything. I filet you. And he says, feed my sheep. What God wants to tell you tonight is that if you sit here and you say, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can answer a call and be a missionary and go tell people about Jesus and share my faith. God says, you know what? Even if you love me like a brother with a small love, a mustard seed kind of love, I can use you. And I'm going to be with you. That's his promise till the end of the age. He's going to be with us. And he says, I want you to go feed my sheep. Go to those who need to hear about me. He wants to use you. He can use you because he's with us. David Livingston said that promise that he's with us to the end of the age. That's the promise of a gentleman, an upright gentleman, and that God's going to hold on to that promise. And now when you meet a guy like Kass van der and you don't know what to say, Jesus is right there in the middle of that conversation, filling your mouth, giving you the words, working through you. He's looking for availability, obedience and availability to share him. He loves lost people so much. And he wants to use you because there's a whole generation of people around this world that are sitting in the darkness without him. So in this last term, you know, like I said, we, we were learning language and uh, we were helping with youth and teen challenge. Like a, it's, it's a rehabilitation thing, uh, uh, drug and alcohol, but it's, it's faith based. And we were doing this, but I wanted to get outside of the church and, and meet somebody in the community. But here I am in a town, in a country that's not my own. And I'm saying, God, like, how do I get into this community and meet somebody that I can pour into? God answers prayer, and he does it at inconvenient times sometimes. And so, actually, my my wife's parents were in town, and it was an off day (laughs) of all times. We were in the city, and I stopped into a store. And uh, I stopped in the store, and at this time, I know some Dutch, right? So uh, I, I use some Dutch when I walk in, just getting some practice. And uh, he was impressed, the store owner, because Americans don't learn Dutch when they go over there typically. And so we just had this conversation and it's really casual. And I leave and I think nothing of it. And as I'm going back to meet my in-laws, and my wife, the Holy Spirit hits me. And God impresses upon my heart and he says, here's your guy. Here's the one you've been praying for. Pursue this guy. Build a relationship with this guy. So, I knew where to find him. So, I just started to frequent his store. And uh, I would go in there, and every time I would go, I would just begin to talk to him. And it wasn't long that he um, he, he invited me to a board game night at a local cafe. And so, I show up about 8 p.m., and I stayed till after midnight because we, we were hanging out and we were just talking about life and uh, what I was doing there. So, I got to share about what God had been doing in my life and that I was a pastor and I was there. And, Uh, he got to talk about what it was like to grow up in the Netherlands and uh, his kids were there. He's got two teenage boys, got to meet them. Right. So I'm building this relationship and this just begins to open doors. And so uh, I got to pray for his son when he had hurt back. And then one day uh, I'm praying and I'm saying, you know, God, um, he knows I'm a Christian and every time we meet, I just can't quite break through God to what he believes. And, and I need something, Lord, to a catalyst to, to break through and to really get to the heart of things with this guy because, Lord, I know you love him and you want him to know you. And, 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 Lord, you've sent me to him. You've told me this. And God simply answered, give him a Bible. I was like, how simple? Why didn't I think of this, Lord? You truly know what you're doing, Lord. And so I... Uh, I got in my car the next day, and I drove to the store, and I was just praying, Lord, let there be nobody else here today, and, and just give me a clear opportunity to give him a Bible and just have an opportunity to, to, to really just witness and be super vulnerable with him. And uh, I went there, and for two hours, not another soul walked in that store. God answers prayer. And I walked in, and I said, hey, man, I, uh, it's good to see you. And he went and got me a cup of coffee, and I said, I know we're friends. We've known each other for a while now, and um, I don't want to make this weird, but God told me to give you this, and I handed him a Dutch Bible, and I said, I had marked the gospel of John out for him, and I said, you know, uh, this is God's love letter to us, to you. This is what he feels about you. This is what he's done for you, and he loves you, and he wants to know you. And uh, I, I marked this section here. It's a great place to start. And, um, and I think you should read it. And, and so I, as I'm talking to him, he's just looking at the Bible and he's looking at me and looking at the Bible and looking at me. And there's this perplexed look on his face. And, and I was just prompted by God to ask him this. And I said, hey, man, and my friends, he's in his early 40s. And I said, has anyone ever given you a Bible? And he looked at me and he said, Austin, I... I grew up in a small town next to here. And when I grew up, the house I lived in was literally next door to a church. But nobody's ever given me a Bible. Nobody's ever told me about Jesus. He told me that he was going to read it. He was going on vacation for two weeks. He was going to read it. And I was like, okay, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, he came back and, and he began telling me everything Jesus was doing in the gospel of John. He went and read it, and he's like, I, this, and he just told me, this is, this is special. This is a special gift you've given me. And uh, now I invited him to pray, but he, I'm not ready. I, I want to search this out some more before I make a decision. I said, okay, that's fine. And, um, but I tell you this because there's people, there's a world of people literally growing up in the shadow of the church. But they don't have a believer in their life. Nobody's putting a Bible in their hand. And like the woman at the well who went and got her whole village and said, come meet a man. There's a world waiting for somebody to take them by the hand and say, come meet a man. Come meet Jesus who's who who has changed my life. He's redeemed me. He's saved me. And he wants to do the same for you. The world's waiting. The world is sitting in Darkness. You know, God calls us to himself so that he can call others also. What he's given for you is not just for you. He's called you so he can call others as well. And the Lord's eyes are set upon the oceans and the hills and what lies beyond another nation, another tribe, another people group who have yet to hear, who have yet to know, And they're waiting for you. And Jesus is on that shore waiting for you to come. He's calling you to him so that he can call others as well. So I want to give you a chance tonight to respond, to come to the altar. The altar is a place to meet with God. That's all it is. My question is, are you ready to lay your life down so that the ones that haven't heard can hear? Are you willing to do it? Are you willing just to come to Jesus tonight and say, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I don't know if you will send me. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to take. What the, even the next step may be, Jesus. But I'm willing. Lord, I'm willing. I hear your heartbeat. And so if that's you right now, will you come to the altar and meet Jesus? He's right here. He's waiting for you and your response. Stand, come. If you're willing Come meet with Jesus. Just talk to him. Lay your heart out, your fears, your doubts. He's not afraid of them. He wants to meet with you tonight. And come talk to him. Because the nations are waiting. I'm going to pray and then Colin's going to lead us in some worship. Just meet with Jesus tonight and say, Lord, I'm willing to go whatever that may look like, whatever that may take, Lord, I'm willing. Father, we thank you for tonight, God. Lord, we thank you for your word and your truth. God, and we thank you that you've saved us. You've redeemed us, Lord. And Lord, we don't want to give you lip service to say, Lord, what you've done in my life, you want to do through me, Lord. We can memorize that, Lord, but we want that to be the steps we take, God, the choices we make, the conversations we have. We want to live it, Lord. So, Lord, we simply come to you in obedience tonight and say, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to go, God, wherever, however, Lord, however long it may be, God. So, Jesus, we ask that you would have your way tonight, God, that you would speak, that you would meet us, Lord, and that you would make it clear, God, Lord, we surrender to you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Texas Tech Kayoff. For more information, you can visit our website at ttuxa.org. Kayaf baby?